Welcome to the Our Safe Harbor Church podcast. Here you can listen to our Sunday sermon, Monday morning message, and midweek Bible study. We hope you will consider subscribing, sharing, leaving a review, but please be sure to check out our website at www.OurSafeHarbor.com to learn more about us and find ways to get involved. Our Safe Harbor Church, we are with you wherever you are. Good Monday morning. This question came in, and it's really difficult to cover all the aspects of this in our 15 minutes or so that we give ourselves on Monday. So I'm going to fly over this at about 25,000 feet, but I hope it helps. There are many raw feelings right now because of the horrific massacre and rape and slaughter that took place in Israel in October 7th of last year. And uh, the continuing war in Gaza, at least it's continuing when I record this. You won't be seeing it for well over a month after I record it. Uh, But the, the reason is we already had other things recorded. People have asked several questions about this. Most of them have political edges to them that I'm not really interested in discovering. But one person asked a very succinct question. Are the children of Israel in scripture the same as the nation of Israel? Well, no, but we shouldn't discard the nation of Israel as just a modern day invention. It it is not. The Jewish people have had a presence there for thousands of years. Uh, There was never a nation or an area called Palestine. The British set up something that they called that briefly, but that was a British uh, mandate and the British have done that a lot, uh, drawing lines where they had no business drawing lines. But anyway, so the modern nation of Israel dates from about 1947. It's according to when you want to date it. Um, There have been wars to shove it off the map ever since and terrorism around the world. Um, There are some religions that are conquest religions, and one in particular has gone after Israel, as it has gone after Americans, British, Spanish, and Egyptians, and we can just keep going. The the confusion arises whenever people say, well, I'm, you know, this is the land of the Jews, and this is the nation of Israel. Is that what God's prophecies are all about? There are those, such as professors at Liberty University, I've read some of their papers where they say, if you are not a premillennialist, then you just don't believe the Bible at all. And they're just very, very firm on that. Uh, And they'll they'll quote some people like Irenaeus and Justin the Martyr um, that did write about uh, a thousand year reign. We get that out of, or they get that as well, out of Revelation chapters 19 and 20. The only places that you can really pull it out of. And then they will grab verses out of Daniel, Zechariah, and Isaiah and try to fit them in. But premillennialism as a doctrine, dispensational premillennialism, really didn't have any wheels, no traction at all until an Irishman named Darby and a fellow who fell right in with him named Schofield worked it out in the 1800s. And then in what was that, um, 1909, the Schofield Bible was produced. And the idea that, oh, there's going to have to be this war over all the earth, Armageddon, Uh, we're going to have to uh, 
have Jesus come back down. We're going to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. There's going to be a thousand year reign. There's going to be tribulation, whether it's before or after. There's a big fight about that among premillennialists and dispensationalists. Um, there's big overlap between those two groups. And this, uh, this has become a mainstay of many Protestant denominational, speak, especially in the Baptist type, the more conservative wing of Protestantism. They especially take Revelation 20 verses 1 through 6 very, very literally. But let's not rush there yet. Let's just talk about the family fight and what happened. The Jews have been persecuted for 2,000 years, and it is horrible, and anti-Semitism is a sin, period, period. You can underline it and circle it. There are no exceptions. To be an anti-Semite is to be in violation of God's laws, especially laws of love and laws of Christianity. So what happened? Uh, again, over 25,000 feet were flying here. So allow me to be very, very brief, which means incomplete, which means we may need to come back and revisit this. In the early church, there was no division between Jews and Christians because the government, the Roman government, looked upon them as the same people. And by and large, they were. Most early Christians were Jews, and where most churches sprung up is where there were a lot of Jews. Jesus was a Jew. This was a prepared community, prepared by social contract, songs, hymns, prophets, scriptures, uh, traditions, temples, synagogues. They were prepared for this. And so no wonder the great benefit that accrued to this, uh, this group, whenever Jesus comes, they were prepared and many, 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 many uh, followed him. But they did not necessarily then give up being Jews. They, they were still Jews, just as Paul didn't give up being a Jew. He still went to the temple. He still went to synagogue. When he had two young followers, Titus was Greek, and he wouldn't circumcise him, but Timothy was Jews and Jewish, and so he had him circumcised. They kept traditions. They kept um, kosher, we would say today, they kept a lot of these things, but did not force that upon the Gentiles. And in uh, Acts chapter 11, there's that historic meeting at a church in Jerusalem where Jewish people, and almost all of the Christians at that time were, made it very plain, the elders there, that God did not want um, the Gentiles to have to become Jews to follow him. And so what happens? Well, after a while, the Christians are drawing negative attention from the Romans to the point where a lot of Jews then said, well, really you need to understand that we're not them, that they are not just another kind of Jew that they've split off from us. And that opened up some Christians to persecution. Well, the Christians returned the favor and would say, no, we're the real ones. They're the ones aren't. And it was horrible. It was evil on every side to uh, decide, no, no, you persecute them, not us. And that family fight then became something even far worse because the Christians grew and the Jews were scattered. The Jews had lost their, um, their temple and access to the temple whenever Jerusalem fell in 70 AD. Christians did not have um, an equivalent to that, so they could grow without a temple and they could grow without the ceremonies. And so as the larger party, they became uh, powerful and becoming powerful is almost never good when it, you're speaking of Christians or any other human being. 
because with great power comes, um, I know you're about to you know, quote Spider-Man, great responsibility, but that's not usually the way it works. Great power comes great temptation to use that power, to consolidate your power and to even grow your power, which is what Christians did, or at least their leaders did. And with Roman um, acceptance of Christians under Constantine and then eventually full blessing of Rome upon uh, the Roman government, upon Christians, that left the Jews out and the Christians began to persecute and they led the anti-Semitic drive for uh, nearly 2,000 years. If you read Martin Luther, uh, the, the horrible things he has to say about Jews, I will not quote here. Uh, I will not refer to even obliquely. It is so very evil. And popes did the same. Protestant leaders did the same. Uh, John Calvin did the same. This was um, you know, to drive them out because they killed Jesus. Well, the scripture is quite plain here that while the Romans physically were the ones who put Jesus to death, the fact is that all sins of all mankind did that. Uh, Jew, Gentile does not make a difference in this. And therefore, it was false doctrine which led to persecution and evil. Well, a lot of Christians now, the majority of Christians, uh, are not anti-Semites and no longer blame this one tribe as being the sole reason that Jesus died. But it's very, very hard whenever you have one of the three major religions look upon Jews as subhumans and that they need to be destroyed to the point where we've seen demonstrations in our streets where people have supported the rape, the mutilization, the shooting um, of men, women, and children, the burning of children and the like because, well, they're Jews. And so now we find ourselves, and by the time you see this, we might be involved in a war uh, and war is going on in Gaza as I'm recording this. A war has already leaped over into Lebanon, as I record this, and Syria. And there have been, and here we are January 2nd as I'm recording, there have been well over 200 attacks on American personnel in the Middle East, sponsored by Iran. And, it's, and so we're going, is this World War III? And so people wonder, is this the end of time? And generally people have wondered that for 2,000 years. And I would suggest that we don't need to be concerned about the end of time. We should be concerned about being Christians while we're here. And all of the big, huge amount of premillennial doctrine and dispensational premillennialism is basically a skyscraper built on a cobweb, uh, taking a literal reading of a book which announces that it is figurative and symbolic and, and running with it. It's just, it seems very, very unwise, but regardless, if you're premillennial, you know that you're welcome at our safe harbor because as long as we're focused on Christ, we do that. We say no division, no hatred. But the state, nation state of Israel was created so we could finally have a place where Jewish people could go live in peace if they so desired. But with, it, with the understanding that Jews would not be driven out of their homes, whether it was in England, in America, Canada, uh, Japan, wherever they happened to be. And therefore, it is not the same. All, all Jews are not Israelis. To be an Israeli means you're a citizen of the nation of Israel. To be a Jew means that you are part of that racial line that, and I hate the word race for it, I wish we had another term, that comes down from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that you're part of that bloodline and tree 
most of them directly, but some through proselytism, in other words, a Gentile who decides to become Jewish. Jews are not evangelistic. They do not believe in going door to door to try to talk you out of believing in Jesus. Um, it is just part of their culture and religion that they leave other people alone. And it would be very nice if we left them alone too, but um, far too many people have decided that they it's okay to hate them. And it's never, never okay to hate them. Paul puts this in very stark terms. Uh, he, he does an incredible unrolling of an argument here, but to be reductionistic because the amount of time that we're allowed, Romans 11 warns the Gentiles, don't become puffed up here, thinking that, well, you know, we're the new ones and we're the loving ones, now, you know, the loved ones of God now, because the Jews have rejected Jesus. And he says, don't you do that, don't. And he says that in Romans 11, they are the tree, they are the original tree, and we are just grafted on. Uh, I'm saying we, we Gentiles, and I'm assuming that the majority of who I'm talking to are Gentiles as well. We should never get uppity thinking, well, you know, God has replaced the tree by loving us. No, we're grafted on that same tree. And he really goes at us here. In, in fact, in Romans, he'll, he'll start by saying, the, here are the sins of the Gentiles, and then here are the sins of the Jews, and here's how Jesus, and he, in chapter 11, verse 29 says, in Jesus, all Israel will be saved. Now, I've heard ducking and diving around that verse all my life because my branch of Protestantism, uh, first of all, would have claimed it, they weren't Protestants uh, or a denomination, but they fit every single definition of what those were. But they would say, well, well, there he's talking about spiritual Israel. Well, yeah, yes, but he's also making it very plain that that does not mean that the people of Israel are no longer in God's good books, as we would say in Breton. Um, you will, there's a doctrine called supersessionism, um, which means we, we as Gentiles have replaced Jews as the favored in God's eyes. It's wrong. It's also called replacement theology, if you want to look that up. Completely wrong. And Romans makes that very, very plain. We need to end all family fights between Christians and Jews. And by and large, by the way, that has happened. We now need to help find a way that the third major religion to come out of the Middle East can also show love and respect and live alongside others. The fact is that Jews used to be scattered all over the world and are now completely extinct in Muslim countries in almost every Muslim country. They have been conquered, the countries have been, and the Jews have been driven out. And now they have a homeland in, in Israel. Do I support Israel? I've been asked that many times. Yes, I do. As a democracy, and the only democracy in the Middle East, yes. And as the only open ally to America that has not pulled other tricks on us like some of the others in the region have. Yes, yeah. Is our relationship with them perfect? Nope. Are they a perfect nation? Nope, neither is America by quite some, you get the point. Do I believe that God has uh, chosen the nation of Israel? No, but I also don't believe God has chosen the nation of the United States. God is not interested in land grabs and militaries. 
He is interested in the hearts of human beings so that we shape ourselves into the image of Christ and we treat each other as Christ taught us to treat each other, period. That we don't just say, well, heaven will sort it out, but rather we bring heaven wherever we are. So I pray for the people of Israel and I pray for the innocents in Gaza. The problem is that from their very beginnings, even kindergarten songs teach the people in Hamas, the little kids in Hamas, that it is glory to die and that the greatest status is killing Jews. So I have no idea how they're gonna sort this out. I have no idea how God is gonna bring peace here, but I pray for innocence and I pray for peace. And I think we can all agree to do that. Jews are not thrown away. Jews are not forgotten by God. They are the tree we are grafted in. And Romans eleven twenty nine says that how he does it is not up to me, but that through Jesus, all Israel will be saved. Let us pray for all who believe in God and who desire peace. And then let us not merely be peaceful, but peacemakers. Thank you for letting me go a minute or so past. I've talked real fast. If you have questions, info at rsafeharbor.com. God bless you and may you live in peace.